Uh, please be seated. Uh, during this special time, while we hadn't had Bible classes, we've been dismissing first through sixth graders at this point. This will be the last Sunday we do that, but th- today I'd like to do different. If you're first through sixth grade, would you please come and join me on the stage? I need your help in setting the tone for the lesson this morning. Miss Sharon's leading the way, all first through sixth graders on stage. We're going to have a great time together. All right. Keep on coming. How many of you guys know I'm in the Lord's Army? Any of you guys know? Come on up. Come on stage. Sport, when did you get in first grade? I'm pretty, I'm pretty impressed, buddy. All right. Of course, Sport, you have sung a solo in this church, so he's ready. Come on up, guys. This is what a beautiful sight. Uh, this is my time to be the worship leader. So, Jeremy, can I have your mic? I would just, <laughs> I would feel so special. Okay, guys, y'all know the hand motions, the, or the motions? Adults, in first service, the adults were actually better than the kids, so you got a lot to do. Everybody stand up. Let's sing together. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I, y'all know it. Never fly or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I may never march in the right in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly on the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Amen. Amen. Great job, guys. Now y'all can go to class. Everybody can see you. Jeremy Bagwell told me I had to leave the worship team on stage this service because it was going uh, on the live stream, and he didn't want me to be um, blaring through the live stream. So I start today offended, so no telling what I might say today, all right? Guys, we've we've been answering this question for five weeks. Why church? What's the big deal? Why go through the hassle of trying to make it in church? Lots of American Christians don't think you should. And we've been looking at these different pictures in the the book of Ephesians that the church is the the bride of Christ. The church is the temple of God. That was new to me. The church is the body of Christ. It's the family of God. And those are all good images. And we need all those pictures. I want to remind you that there is no name for the church in the New Testament. They're simply descriptions. And, and so, years ago, we were trying to decide what to put on the sign out front, and you probably drove in today. You saw it says, Landmark, a Church of Christ, right? Because we love that term. Church of Christ is a beautiful biblical term that simply means a church that belongs to Christ. It's not a denominational title. But when we were trying to make the decision by that sign, I had this idea. I wanted it to say Landmark, and then underneath it, I wanted it to just rotate through bride of Christ, temple of God, body of God. I mean, all those different things. Obviously, I didn't win that vote, okay? <laughs> I did ask my buddy Cecil May, Dean Emeritus of the Bible College at Faulkner, about that. He said that would be much more biblical than just picking one description and not using them all. And that's why we spent this time together in Ephesians where Paul says, I want, to, I want you to get all these descriptions because they're all important of why the church is so significant. 
And so Paul says, there, there's, I finally need to give you one more. Before, before I can close this book, I've got to give you this one more picture or you're going to miss it. And this picture is the army of God. You see, we need all these pictures. But without this picture, we would be incomplete. All these other pictures I love because they're, they're warm, they're family, they're, they're beautiful, a temple, a place where God lives. But we need this one because it's not so warm as much as it is. Guys, we're in the middle of a war. And Paul says, before I can close this, if I'm going to be a, a good minister, I've got to tell you this picture. Because if I don't, you're going to be blindsided. Just like if you are doing some premarital counseling for someone and you're talking to them about marriage, you're going to do them a disservice if you don't say at some point, marriage is hard work. Or just like if someone, you're about to baptize someone into Christ and, and you're trying to prep them for that moment, you're going to be a, do a disservice. You don't say, you know what? You're about to declare war on Satan and he's going to come after you and living the Christian life is not always easy. And Paul wants these Christians to see together they're in the middle of a struggle so much of a struggle that God needs an army now before we get into Ephesians passage let's just think about some of the things that this image brings up first of all look at first Peter 5 verse 8 it brings up that we got an enemy that there's literally someone after us Peter says be alert and of sober mind your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Because whether you recognize it or not, there is an evil force out there that is trying to destroy you and destroy your family and destroy everything you love. That's what he is prowling around doing right now. We've got to see that. And we wouldn't get that picture from any of the other pictures. And then we also got to see from here, 1 Peter 5, 8, there's an urgency. What Peter says is, guys, in light of the fact that you've got an enemy that's trying to kill you, You need to be alert. You need to be sober-minded. You need to be serious-minded. Why? Because if you're not alert to this, you're not going to be ready when he brings his attack on. You stay alert in the Lord. And then he says, this also is going to mean there's unity. Look at chapter 5, verse 9. Here's what he says next. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. What's he saying? I'll tell you what, if we ever want to be unified, guys, it's if we understand we're in a war. If we understand that Satan is trying to attack us. Guys, we're never going to be unified by agreeing over every nicky-nacky thing. We're never going to be unified by all of us seeing everything in the world around us the same way. But we will be incredibly unified. If we understand that we're in a foxhole together, undergoing attack. I don't know if you've read any of the books like Band of Brothers that that talks about some of the people who've who've gone to war and how difficult it was for them to transition back to civilian life. You know what the men would say? Because I cannot find the brotherhood that I found on the battlefield in Iraq or Afghanistan. Though it was dangerous, there was a unity we felt in being together. And my friends, we can have that unity if we'll understand we've got an enemy. And then there's another implication here that's really important is discipline. Look at 2 Timothy 2 verse 4. Here's what Paul says. He says, no one serving as a soldier 
gets involved in civilian affairs. But rather, he tries to please his commanding officer. I like how one new translation puts it. Soldiers on duty don't work an outside job. Why? Because if we're in a war, and I'm a soldier, and you're a soldier, and we're in this army together, we better stay focused. We better have focused attention. We better pay attention. Because the moment you're not paying attention, you're going to be run over. Now listen to me, guys. And I'm being very honest with you. As we, I don't think about the church very often as being an army. I need to. And if I can be frank with you, I don't think we do. We, we, we don't always act like an army that's, being, that's fighting. We don't, we don't always really pay good attention. But let me illustrate that with you this morning, okay? I want everybody to stand up. Everybody stand up, okay? If you're our guest, you, just, just do, do, you can stand, seat, whatever you want to do. But here, here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you some questions. You remain standing as long as you get the right answer, okay? What is happening next Sunday? Okay, anybody blow that one? Sit down. Oh, good. We all know next Sunday's Easter. All right. What times are Easter services? Let me give them. If you didn't know them, then you're going to sit down. 6.30, 8.30, here's the su- surprise, 11. If you didn't know that, sit down right now. Okay, thank you for being honest with me, okay? What time is our Good Friday service next s- Friday night? <laughs> Good thing Jeremy Swindle knows. 6.30, okay? If you didn't know that, sit down. What time is the men's breakfast next Saturday morning? If you didn't know that, sit down. One more question. Let's see who can keep remaining. Who are we honoring next Saturday morning? Okay, didn't know that, sit down. Now give a hand to the 12 people that pay attention. All right. (laughs) Guys, it's so hard for us to stay focused. But as an army, we want to show up. When we're supposed to show up, and sorry to bring up a sore subject this morning, we might actually want to show up on time. Go ahead and laugh, because 75% of you weren't here on time, all right? Because in the army, there's got to be discipline. You don't just float in and float out and do what you want to do. We're in the middle of a war, and we act like it. So that's what Paul's trying to tell us. Now, here's what I'm going to warn you before we get to Ephesians 6. Go ahead and turn your Bible, your phone. Ephesians 6, verse 10. This is what I didn't know till this week. I always read about the armor of God, and I think Paul is telling me to put the armor of God on. You to put the armor of God on. That, that's not the Greek language here. The language is the church together puts the armor on. It's not about you being over here with your armor, me being over here with my armor. It's about we are a fighting force together. So read this passage, maybe a little bit different than you've read it before. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, 
with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel in peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. I hear Paul saying four things to us about being this army. It's God's army. Number one, we must educate ourselves about our enemy. Now, these are really fascinating verses here. Guess what? You're not my enemy. I'm not your enemy. He said, we're not fighting against each other. Nobody on this globe is your enemy. He says, our enemy are these spiritual forces, these rulers, these authorities in the dark world, in heavenly realms. Guys, what we're talking about here is spiritual warfare. He says, we do have an enemy. He's alive. And, and he says here, he's a schemer. Over and over, Paul says, you've got to be aware of the devil's schemes. That's he's scheming against you right now. That's he's not going to show up on your front door, you know, knock on your door with this red devil ham outfit on and say, I'd like to come destroy you and your family. No, he's much more subtle than that. He's going to be scheming behind the scenes. In fact, that's why we call it spiritual warfare, because it's unseen. Guys, listen to me. Right now, in heavenly realms, in unseen realms, there is warfare going on. You probably don't recognize it, but I will guarantee you there are angels and demons in this room right now. And they're trying to do everything they can to destroy you. And they'll do it in ways, if you're not aware, that you may not pick up on. I admit to you, I don't always see it that way. Words slip out of your mouth, you regret, and you hurt somebody you love. Do you think Satan might have manipulated that? You're struggling with depression, or the anxiety has come back. I'm not saying it couldn't be a chemical imbalance, or it couldn't be a bad time in your life. It probably could be. Do I ever step back and go, you know what? This is Satan working in my life to destroy me. You had a fight with your spouse on the way to church, and you think, okay, just another fight. Because I'll guarantee you there was an evil force behind that trying to get you at each other. You've struggled back with an addiction. You thought you'd overcome the alcohol. And then you went to a party, and everybody sort of implied, and you even thought yourself, I'm not really fun if I don't have some alcohol. I hear that a lot. I've got to have some alcohol to loosen up. Before long, you're back in drunkenness and you're back in addiction. And I'm telling you guys, God's not okay with that. And behind that are spiritual forces. So we must be alert because he's so subtle. Let me just ask you a few questions here. If you just watch movies and TV and Netflix and all those, what percentage of Americans were you think were Christians? Because, you know, a majority of Americans still claim to be Christians. But if I were to watch those things, I would think almost zero. I mean, we're watching life every day on the screen, you know, and never does it pick, oh, here's a church-going family, man. Here's a spiritual person. And if they do give us a picture of a Christian, they're a buffoon. What do you think's behind that? And then we watch all these shows and they're, 
There's no sense of right or wrong. We live in a culture that says there is no absolute truth. And guys, here's what I'm saying to you. this This is slipping in on us, and we're even unaware of it. Those are the morals our children and grandchildren are growing up with without us even raising an eyebrow. What is it teaching? And that's the way Satan is working. We've got to be alert. We've got to see that. So that's why number two, he says, we've got to equip ourselves with God's armor. If we're going to defeat this subtle, unseen force, we've got to put some armor on. Here's the armory list. First of all, he says that we have got to put on the belt of truth, okay? You know, we, we just talked about we live in a culture that doesn't believe in truth. My friends, the only way we fight that is we believe in truth. We believe there's right and wrong. We believe there's things you can do that please God, and there's things you do that don't please God. Why belt? I mean, that's sort of a weird thing. We just sort of put a belt on to look good. No, a, a belt for an armor you know, held everything together, all the other tools together. Everything was girded in this belt. Now, we understand that point. You ever left home or, you know, you just forgot to put your belt on and maybe you had to run and all of a sudden your belt was, you know, coming down or your, your, your pants were falling down because you had no belt? Now, I know some of you think that's great style. I've seen you in McDonald's, okay? I mean, I didn't really like the view. Um, I'm, I'm telling you, guys... Here's what's going to happen, guys. When you don't wear the belt of truth, you're going to be caught with your pants down. You're going to be vulnerable. Guys, sorry I'm walking off stage. Just suck it, but I forgot to bring it up here with me. You guys don't cut off the YouTube, please. I'm back. All right. Guys, what about this deal? I mean, talk about being caught with our pants down. If any of your parents, and you've got teenage children, you probably have had this moment where you asked for their phone, you got on their phone, and you saw what was on there, what they had looked at, what they had shown, what they... Uh, it, you never would have believed it. And that's the way Satan works. He catches us with our pants down, or we don't have truth. And let me just say this loud and clear. I wish someone had told this to me years ago. We are putting this in our children's hands much too young with very few requirements. And guys, I know this thing can do some good. I'm not trying to deny that, but I'm telling you what, in our families, it is racking, it is wreaking havoc. And our children are getting exposed to stuff that you and I wouldn't have been exposed to in our 20s. And we're expecting them to handle that? You're giving them, you're, you're giving Satan, you're just giving Satan an invitation to come into your home. Be careful about that. That's why you got to have the belt of truth. And then you got to have the breastplate of righteousness. What's that about? What's righteousness? It's about living the right way. It's about living God's way. Because here's what's so crazy about all of this. is God's way works. We live in a culture right now where we are seeing what happens when a culture decides, you know what, the things we used to all agree on were truth, you know. This is the way your souls behave. This is what marriage is supposed to look like. This is what sexuality is all about. I mean, we don't even believe anymore the story of Adam and Eve, that men were, and women were created man and fe- male and female. 
Because what kind of carnage is coming along because we're not living the right way. Guys, the breastplate of righteousness is to protect your heart. And when you let your guard down and you begin to live in ways that are unacceptable to God, it hardens your heart. And then he says, you've got to put on these shoes. What, what are these shoes about? And prophetically, shoes were about a, a, a messenger running across mountains to tell the good news. And he says, we, we have our feet ready to run and to share the good news. I'm going to tell you what's going to help you be a stronger Christian than anything else if you'll start sharing your faith. You know, when you go to work thinking, who God could you use me to lead to you? You'll watch your behavior. You'll watch your tongue. And you'll have something great to share. And here's the cool thing, is every time you have a chance to share the gospel, you will be stronger. Every time you, you share the good news of Jesus, which we've got a great chance this next week, be inviting some folks. Every time we're reminded of the goodness and love of God and the power of the resurrection, man, your faith grows. And then he says, on top of that, man, you need the, the shield of faith. Man, I love this one. You know that picture of the shield of faith. It's about four foot by two foot. It's, it's got pitch on it. And, and Paul says, because here's what's happening. There's these flaming missiles of the evil one that are coming your way. I'm guaranteeing you right now, there's some missiles coming your way. And the only way you're going to overcome that is be to put this shield up. And the only way we can be victorious is we go, you know what? I know Satan says that's okay, but I trust God. I, I, I know Satan says it, it, it's okay to, you know, just, you know, get drunk every once in a while, but I, I trust God better than that. I, I, I know Satan says, you know, what's the harm, man? You're looking at it. Nobody else is going to see it. But, but, but we go, you know what? I trust God. I trust your view more than I trust my feelings. And you put up that, that shield of faith. It extinguishes those flames of the evil one. And here's the cool thing about this picture is you've seen that picture of all those shields interlocking. I love the movie 300, and there's this scene where the, the Persians are attacking the Spartans. And the Spartans are all right there in the middle of the field. And the Persians have all these arrows, and they, they look like they're just completely vulnerable for the Spartans. And the Persians say to the Spartans, our arrows will block out the sun. We've got so many arrows, when we shoot them, you're not going to even be able to see sunlight. No way you can survive that. And the Persians say this, then we will fight in the shade. And my friends, when we have our shields interlocked and we are fighting in the shade, we can withstand any of the battles of Satan. And then a couple more pictures there. You got the, the helmet of salvation. What's that about? That's about, that's about knowing that you're saved. As none of us are going to be effective in this battle without a knowledge that we're right with God. And that's not because you're perfect. That's why we love grace. It's because God was perfect. Jesus was perfect. And we, he took our place. So, you know, you need to walk out these doors today knowing you're in a good relationship with God. And then there was one weapon that's the only offensive weapon, which was the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's... If we live in a culture and with an enemy who tells lies, then we've got to be the people with the truth of the Word of God to go out there and aggressively say, here's the way we're going to win these battles. 
That's why we're so excited about getting deeper in the Word two weeks from today as we restart Bible study because the Word of God is so key to you being victorious because the Word of God, it's a double-edged sword, the writer of Hebrews says. It can cut through anything, not to hurt someone, but to heal someone. It's like a surgeon's scalpel. So we need to know about our equipment. Number three, we need to energize ourselves with God's power. At the beginning of this, he says, you need to be strong in the Lord's power. How do I do that, man? How do I stay strong? I think he tells us in verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with all the Lord's people. He says, the key to you tapping the power of God in this battle is to constantly be praying. Why? Because we can't win this on our own. You notice every time the Israelites went to battle and they lost, they always would confess that we didn't consult the Lord. Even battles like Ai, when they go, where they, man, they've got all the advantage of troops. And they get defeated for no reason, appears. But then they recognize we were defeated because we didn't consult, we didn't talk to God about this. My friends, if we'll have a prayer on our lips everywhere we go and we will tap the power of God, then we together can be the army of God. Because the way we treat prayer is it's almost like we don't, we don't have it. Some of you old enough to remember, it's like an old-fashioned phone call, long-distance phone call. Anybody remember those? Does anybody remember when you had to pay extra money to make a long-distance phone call? Okay? Okay, yeah, some of you. I mean, I mean it was expensive. I mean, today, you know, you can... It's a good thing about it. You can call anybody anytime. Nothing. Free. But in that day, man, you would, you know, you'd limit your time. And sometimes instead of making a phone call, you would, you would write a letter because it costs so much. Because I'm afraid some of us treat prayer like an old-fashioned phone call that, it, you know, it costs us. Let me listen to me, guys. It is free all the time. You can talk to God on all occasions for all people everywhere you go. Man, you're talking about some power. He is able to do more than we ask or imagine. Then number four, one more thing here, guys. We've got to engage ourselves in the battle. The armor's not just about looking good. It's not just about being impressive. It's about fighting. It's about using it. I've loved this story for years. Abraham Lincoln selected... McClellan is his first general, and he was quite impressive. He could put together a great army, recruit a great army. He could dress them perfectly. He drilled them constantly. But McClellan would never go fight. And so the president of the United States finally had to send a note to the general who thought he was really more powerful. If General McClellan is not going to use the army... I'd like for him to at least loan it to me for a while. you got to love that. Because I think God's saying to us, if we're not going to stand up and be the army, just give it back. We've got to engage in the battle. That's why in your lifelines today, there's that faith works form. I mean, that's the way in this church that, that we engage. And right now we're re-engaging. And a lot of those things we hadn't been able to do back through the pandemic, but now things are opening up, and there's that opportunity. So before you leave here today, if you would just take a moment to fill that out and turn it in and bring it back next week, then we'll know how to engage you in the battle. So here's my question as we start 
starting to close out, as we prepare to respond, in just a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to respond. Let's go ahead and bring the basket over here. There, there are response cards in the front of, of every pew. And all you got to do is grab one of those, take a pen out, and, and tell us what you want us to pray about. If you're online, there's a, a number up there right now that you can just text us, and we'll be praying for you this week. Or your response may just be in your heart today. That'd be okay, too. But we've got to respond to this. Because here's a picture we've avoided. And so my question for you as we begin to think about this is, are you and I, are we engaged in the battle? Are we using the armor? Do we really see what's going on in the spiritual world around us? Are we allowed Satan to blind us? You see, here's what I see as a big, big issue. Listen closely to me. Too many of us as Christians live like we're on a playground and not a battleground. It's just life, man. I'm going to have as good a time as I can. Playground, man. I'm going to live the American dream. I'm going to have a nice house, a nice car, go on good vacations, you know, have a big time anytime I want. All those things are good. I'm not opposed to any of those things. I like doing those things. But that's not enough. Because guess what? Your playground's going to get messed up. No matter how well you can line things up right now, there's going to be something happening in your life that's going to mess it up. Because life is not a playground, my friends. It is a battleground for your souls. And the biggest thing you're going to determine while you live on this earth is where you're going to spend eternity. And we've got to wake up, guys. There's a, a war going on all around us. Satan is after your soul. He wants to get you so diverted, so discouraged that you give up. He's after destroying the souls of your family and your children and your grandchildren and your friends. He'll do anything he can. And that's why we have to rise up, as Paul would say, and be the army of God. We see what happens when Christians treat things like it's a playground. As a church, we've we got to wake up to be in the battleground. We don't have time to fight about those dumb things we fight about. We've got an enemy aiming at us right now. We've got to get alert. We've got to pay attention. We've got to drill together. We've got to be ready to fight this battle. So let's answer our question one more time. Why church? Why should you even fool with church? Here's the answer. We only win the battle together. You're not going to win this by yourself. Just listen to me. Satan's tactic is to isolate you. God's tactic is to bring us together as an army. And I know this has been a tough year, and it's been really easy to be isolated. So thankful to see some of you back, so many today for the first time. And I know we're going to have a lot more people back for the first time on Easter. Because Satan knows if I can get Buddy way over here to the side and I don't have any meaningful relationships, they're all just superficial Christian relationships where we talk about football more than we talk about God, then I can get him. Now, for some of you, that's more of a challenge because you're, you're more introverted and so your, your nature is, is not. And let me say this to you. God's not asking you to be friends with a thousand people in this church. 
But he does want you to at least have two or three good friends that you lean on, that you walk through life together, that you help each other in this battle. We all need that. And so this morning, I want to challenge you. Let's get in this together. Let's not allow ourselves to be isolated. Let's be victorious because we are together. I don't want you to leave here today. I want you to wake up. I need to wake up. My, my goal is not for you to leave here afraid today because of Satan and his power. Sometimes some people give Satan more power than he deserves. Most of us give him less than he deserves. I want you to give him what he deserves. But more importantly, I want you to see the power that God has. God has never fought in a battle where he lost. And if we'll engage with God, man, we're going to be victorious. And so today, as we prepare to respond, I want to invite you. If today you're in the middle of this battle and you're unaware and you need to wake up, just put it here in this basket. If today you're actually losing the battle. I mean, as we talk today, there's some subtle temptation in your life, your language, your what, that you've just put up with acting like it's not a big deal. And today, you know, you're sort of waking up that God, God does have a will. And I need the prayers of the church to do better. If you see the attack around you and you feel like you're losing by yourself and you need some people to come help you, man, that's what we're all about. Uh, I always touched by the story before Pearl Harbor when all those Japanese planes came across the ocean and killed thousands of people and destroyed hundreds of our ships before we ever got in the war. It was a terrible travesty. There was a private on a radar screen and he was reading that screen and he saw all these little black dots coming across the Pacific Ocean. And he'd not been doing this long, so he didn't know much about it. And so he's alarmed enough to call his lieutenant and say, I'm seeing these dots. I mean, what, what, what do we need to do? And the lieutenant said, young man, don't worry about it. And look what happened. Let me, let me tell you today, I've got your attention. Look at me. Satan is telling you to not worry about it. To not be concerned about it. Well, this is for everybody else, but not for you. My friends, it is for you. It is for me. We're in a war. We have an enemy that's trying to destroy us. And we've got to get together to win this fight. Let's do it. Because we're going to sing in just a moment about our Lord being a mighty warrior. With him being by our side, my friends, hands down, 100% guaranteed, we win. You want to be a part of that? Respond right now while we stand together and sing.